You are now listening to the I'm Not Supposed to Be Here podcast. What's up, everybody? I'm super excited to, to record this episode today. Um, I have Emily Staker here. So yeah, how are you doing? I'm doing well. It's a beautiful day here in Seattle. Yeah. For sure, I think the Pacific Northwest summer times are are hard to beat, and so I'm I'm glad that you're enjoying it. So yeah, before we get started, would you like to give a little bit of info about yourself? Yeah, I am an attorney and an agent. Um, currently, I mostly represent uh, sports broadcasters and journalists, but I also represent um, coaches and influencers and i'm taking my nflpa agent exam here on august 5th so soon so uh hoping to expand my world there and then as far as being an attorney goes i do uh complex civil litigation so i'm also a full-time attorney i'm about to go pour through some discovery after this um and so it's it's a lot but i'm really loving it right now that's amazing and I mean, I just feel even more thankful that you're taking the time to do this because it sounds like you have a lot on your plate. So, yeah, you're good. Um, so appreciate it. But yeah, I know we talked a little bit about this podcast and, and the phrase I'm not supposed to be here. I'd love to just jump right into it and kind of get your initial thoughts on and what resonated with you the most about it. Yeah, I I really um, definitely identify with it in there's like a duality to it for me because mm-hmm. I come from like a really rural area in Idaho. And I have like some dissonance sometimes with, with my past because, because it's so attenuated from where I used to be, you know, like Mm. I, I think if I told my child self how my life would unfold, like it Mm. just, it wasn't even a possibility to me. Like I didn't have, um, like my mom never went to college. Um, Mm. my grandma, married my grandpa when she was 16 and never even like finished high school. Like I didn't have women in my life who really pursued or had the opportunity uh, and the privilege to pursue education. So Mm -hmm. it really, um, ironically enough, like education was the vehicle to Mm. show me that it was all possible. But I think Mm. that phrase for me, it's, it's like a bittersweet feeling of like, Um, wow, I can't believe that I'm here. Right. <laughs> yep, yep. Also like the, the feeling of like, is this really the right path? Like, yeah. I don't think that emotion ever really goes away. Like, I think it's, it's somewhat normal. Like hopefully mm-hmm. you're going to have some moments where you're just like checking in with yourself. And I think it like, it's healthy to have a little bit of doubt. Like if you don't like you might have a DSM five diagnosis, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. for, for the listeners uh, and myself, what is what is that exactly? Yeah, the DSM five. I'm familiar with it because we use it all the time in litigation mm-hmm. to try and make mm-hmm. it seem less credible, which is okay. really, oh, got it. Really terrible, mm-hmm. but it works. Um, mm-hmm. It's basically an extremely subjective uh, book, basically put together by psychiatrists and psychologists uh. to diagnose people with various mental and personal disorders. So um, a lot of those disorders are really hard to isolate because Mm. a lot of them are multi-layered and people are certainly capable of having multiple. But for me, like I took a lot of mental health and law classes in Mm. law school because I think I'm really passionate about it. And our prison system is flooded Mm. who struggle with mental health. 
And what drives me crazy is for whatever reason, uh, mental health practitioners started to identify uh, lawlessness and committing crimes as like an antisocial behavior. So that became a foundation for a lot of diagnoses. And so that is something that I really struggle with because it's sort of like by proxy of doing anything illegal, it opens you up to a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Um, So there is that potential for over-diagnosing people with problems, but Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely like, I always think about it because I have to know it kind of in and I'm not psychiatrist by any means but it's um it's an interesting world for sure sure. thank you for explaining that um so going back okay so your parents didn't have the education to the level that you have obviously and and so what do you think they pushed it so much on you and why they they kind of brought it up to you as being something that's really valuable and important yeah it really you know it's interesting thinking back um because it was less so about them pushing me to do anything and more so about them saying whatever you do like we're going to support but it Mm -hmm. has to be your decision you know and I used to get so pissed like in (laughs) high school I would get so annoyed because I'd be like should I take AP physics or Mm -hmm. whatever and they were like we don't care like they were really hands off and it would drive me crazy because when you are like uh when you suffer from perfectionism right you were like mm-hmm. it, you want people to validate your decisions and they just never did but mm. in hindsight like it's great because every single thing that i chose i know that i chose it and i know a yeah. lot of kids don't get that privilege with their parents like they mm. get the helicopter parents and so yeah. as annoying as it was like yeah. i really am glad and i think it's really important when you do make decisions like going to law school because mm. it sucks <laughs> and you don't want a moment where you're like resenting a parent or mm. a person who you feel like pressured you to make that decision. Like, you know, it's all on you. Like you only have yeah. yourself yeah. at the end of the day. And mm. so like, I, I always think it's interesting because it really bothered me. Like when yeah. I was younger that they wouldn't like inject their opinion <laughs> on what yeah. I was going to do with my life. Like they just did not care. Mm-hmm. And of course they cared about like me being happy and yeah all that good stuff, but it drove me crazy. And now I'm like, you know what? Like I, I totally understand why they did that. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool that I do get to look back and feel Mm -hmm. like everything was a product of my own decision-making. As you were talking about it, it's kind of like the sink or swim analogy where it's like, I know your parents loved you and they, and they, they weren't doing it in any way to try to harm you or, or put you in any danger, but in a sense, you have to like figure it out. You're, and I mean, that's looking for that validation. I'm like, uh, hey, is this cool? Is this, am I doing, is, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Can anybody just check me on this and give me that that thumbs up? But yeah. at the end of the day, it's like, well, if you have to really be able to make those those hard decisions for yourself and then and believe in them and sit with them and, and own them. And I think, yeah. yeah, that's an early an early case of like, all right, you're learning this skill the hard way, but I'm sure it helped along the way. So for sure. Yeah, no, intuition, I think is so important. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really easy to lose it when you do just constantly get or when you constantly look for external validation. I think mm-hmm. you don't see the importance necessarily of figuring out what it is that you want or yeah. what you need. And so mm-hmm. When you don't have that, when that's not an option, it's like all yeah. you have is yourself. All you have is your independence. Yeah. And so you really have to get good with yourself, which I will mm-hmm. say, like in this industry, like 
where imposter syndrome and mm-hmm. all that shit like negativity yeah. is rampant like having that like making sure you're really good with yourself and you can yeah. check in and have some sort of internal guidance is like such a big asset like so important two quick things kind of what you were saying about making a decision like going to law school you don't want to resent the people that have maybe pushed you there. But I think you can easily get into a habit of people pleasing or, or doing what other people want you to do. And then, yeah, you can find yourself in law school halfway through or even almost done. And you're like, I don't even want to do this. And then then you're stuck because, yeah, then that resentment comes in. Then the, did I waste my time? Like all those questions can really, you know, derail the progress that you have made despite, you know, being maybe pushed to do it, even if you didn't want to. That can be very hard. And the and, and second part about imposter syndrome, especially in, in the world that, that we work in and, and, and even live in, I think it's really easy to, to compare yourself to everybody because everybody's doing it. And you're like, oh, you don't believe in yourself. Yeah, imposter syndrome is huge. And so if you don't just, if you don't think that you should belong there, it's really easy to get washed up in the, yeah. in the, the doubts and the like, oh, well, that person who, you know, we have the same timeline up until a certain point, but now they're here and I'm here. And oh my gosh, like, what did I do wrong? And, and you, can, you can easily talk yourself down and, and put yourself oh, yeah. in a bad spot. Yeah, I was just having a conversation with a client this morning um, about how important it is to really, you know, not only know yourself, but make sure that you have people in your life who have known you for long enough to be able to help be, remind you of who you really are, because that's another thing just by virtue of working in sports is a lot of people are incentivized to try and make you forget um, and sort of knock you down like confidence wise. Cause it's, yeah. it is super competitive. And mm-hmm. so people will take shots if they think it's going to give them an advantage. Um, yeah. you know, I've experienced that, like being an agent, like your reputation's everything. And mm-hmm. it's, it's tough sometimes like when that does happen, but at the same time, like, I know I have friends who I can call immediately and talk about it and they can immediately be like, that's (laughs) bullshit. Like that's not who you are. And so having those relationships is, is really important. If you can't, like we can't, I wish that everyone could just like have that within themselves, but (laughs) in in an ideal world, it would be that way, but it's Mm -hmm. good to have friends at least or family that, that can remind you of, of who you really are and remind you of your character for sure. Yeah, definitely. In my experience too, in that sense, I got so much in my head that even when my friends were like, hey, let me like run down the list of things you've done. I'm like, yeah, but still like, is that even good enough? Like, and they're like, nobody else has done these things. And it's like, yeah, but and it's there's still that sense of doubt, which I, I mean, yeah, I think if anything, what we're saying is it has to start within first. And once you're able to to get over yourself and like when your friends are like, hey, let me, let me just remind you real quick. Yeah. And you're like, you know what? You're right. I'm, yeah. I'm dope. I'm the shit. Like yeah. I, obviously I'm not saying like be overly cocky or whatever, you but have those moments though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so just remind sure. yourself like, you know what? No, like I do yeah. have, and then is, you build that confidence and you go back out there and you're like, no, 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 I, I belong here. And, yeah. and again, that that's where the phrase kind of uh, originated from because my story is more on the negative side of, of what am I doing with my life? And then, yeah. and then more recently in the last, I would say five years, I'm like, oh, wow. Like, what am I doing here? And then, yeah. yeah ha- so having to remind myself in those instances to be like, no, dude, you, you belong here. Like, totally. Um, totally. Yeah. Okay. So can you tell me a little bit about the first time you heard this phrase or when it entered your life and, and kind of where you were and, and how that came about? 
Yeah. I mean, I had a lot of moments where mm. I certainly felt this way, but I think it was most prominent just when I was starting in law school, because uh, that environment is so different from undergrad, like undergrad, um, you don't walk in a room and immediately feel direct competition or threat <laughs> from your peers, mm-hmm. but law school yeah. is built on competition. Like mm-hmm. they want you to understand how adversarial the profession is. So they try mm-hmm. and replicate it as best as they can wow. in the classroom. And so it's a really like toxic environment in that way. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it also really incentivizes um, pretty shitty behavior. A lot of uh, posturing mm-hmm. and just like, you know, like weird intimidation tactics, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. And I just had no idea what I was doing. Like again, <laughs> At that point, I had had some like legal jobs and internships, stuff like that. So I would worked in a law firm, but I hadn't really dealt with that many people who were so full of shit and like <laughs> yeah. trying to figure out like, who, okay, who is actually the smartest person here? Like, mm-hmm. I, it took me a while to figure it out. It's always the quiet ones, right? Okay. Like, okay. They don't say anything. Yeah, yeah. And the ones who are always lending their opinion, like, mm-hmm. It, they're the worst and yeah. it's, it's like <laughs> yeah. they i just they always become personal injury attorneys i don't know <laughs> wow shots shots fired yeah okay. there is some there is some shade there but yeah and and so i i don't want to offend you but the way you're explaining it it sounds like it's like one of the, those reality tv shows where you're you're trying to form alliances and you're trying to you know oh, back like just play the game and backstab and all these things is, is that fair to say or is maybe that's yeah. too too so, much of an over exaggeration this is how messed up it is right so you get a class right mm-hmm. and they break mm-hmm. it they broke mine into thirds okay. and i was on a scholarship like i was okay. on they only offer at university of denver where I, where I went they only offer full rides if you like pledged to do public service law for five years so i was like okay i'm not doing that so i got as close (laughs) as i could to that without like sell my soul to public defender and does that make a difference on like how you're perceived or how you kind of people look at you we didn't figure this out until later but they intentionally Mm. put all of the scholarship kids in the same cohort and if you don't maintain a 3.0 gpa you lose your scholarship but law school is on a curve and your first Mm. year it's a locked hard curve. So there is statistically only about 15 to 18 people in your cohort who can maintain that or above. And how many total are there? There are about 60. Okay. Wow. And so, um, you know, it's already like everyone already felt like the pressure was on because that's a difference for me. It was a, $42,000 $42,000 a year difference. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that's like, you don't want to make a $120,000 mistake. Right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the pressure is so high and to put people against each other in that way where the financial stake is so large, like mm-hmm. it's a lot. Yeah, like sure. <laughs> it will Fuck. Yeah, it really does sound like a, a reality competition where they're like, everyone's yeah. competing for a million dollars. And you're like, for a million dollars, I will kill my best friend. It really is like, I don't want to sound dramatic, but it, it's interesting, like similar to like the Stanford prison experiment of right. like yeah. such a bubble, like, you know, and so a lot of like decency can go out the window if there mm. aren't enough people to like check you. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and the professors like aren't incentivized to help you. Like Mm -hmm. they, 
the first year, the goal in law school is to get as many people to quit as possible because for them, they only want the best of the best to proceed because the best of the best pass the bar. Right. Mm -hmm. So like they want all those, they get the jobs, like they want Mm -hmm. all those good statistics. So they're trying to get anybody who's going to make their stats go down out. And so it's like that year was probably the toughest in my life. Like even just, I was able to make like one of my best, best friends happens. She was in my cohort. Like Mm -hmm. she, her and I were in competition and we were still able to like, really like be good friends. And so it's certainly possible to have like those relationships, but you know, again, similar, like I had to make sure that I had people to remind me (laughs) that I wasn't an idiot because here I was at a very good law school, like doing well and made Mm. to feel like an idiot every day. And like, it's just, you have to be able to like, take a step back and realize that it's just like a product, you're a product of your environment. Right. And like remind yourself that at the end of the day, like you're a person and perfection to me is so like dehumanizing. It's crazy. Like the emphasis that we put on it because humans are just so inherently imperfect that like we all are just, I don't know why that's like the ideal is like perfection when it's just like, you're trying to become the least human version of yourself. I think when I started to like really view it that way, I was like, I I just really shifted my focus into just being like happy with myself and like versus like some bullshit perfection standard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause, and that's unattainable and no matter how, how much you try, no matter how much you want it so bad, like perfection is unattainable for everybody. And I, I think to that point, yeah, it took a long time to accept it. And I think the way that I've learned to, or what's been helpful for me in that sense is to, okay, I know that I'm going to make mistakes. The most important part is to not make them again. Like that's, that's how I see it now. So I'm like, you know, and maybe I get too eager. Cause I'm like, I can't wait to make the next mistake so I can learn right. from it and be right. like, okay, yeah. cool. That's <laughs> another, that's another like level up that I can do in my life to learn from. And so but it took a lot of work and it's, I mean, I'm not perfect at that obviously because no one's perfect, but it still, it still takes a, it takes a lot of work to, to train yeah. your brain and, and to, to think that way. But it really is like such a better, healthier mindset mm-hmm. to just accept that you're not going to get it right every time. Yeah. And that takes, it takes a lot of time because like, I don't think people really realize how much pressure they feel to be perfect in so many different contexts, mm-hmm. like in their work, in their relationships, like Mm -hmm. it's so many in their social media persona, like the feeling of perfection and it's different for everyone, but like Mm -hmm. we all have it in some capacity. And so I think once you realize that you are like, you have that mentality, it's a lot easier to change. And I totally agree. Like what is life if not to just grow, right? Exactly. Like, what's, yeah. what's the point? Like, yeah, if yeah. you're not going to grow, like, I don't know, what's the point? And so, yeah. like, every opportunity in any of those contexts mm-hmm. is an opportunity to grow. And, like, you might as well enjoy it if you can. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it takes a lot of the pressure away or even, like, the possibility of disappointment, which is a huge, yeah. that's a huge blow in, in any capacity. But right. if you take that away, then you're like, cool, I'm going to mess up. And it just, 
it's a part of life. So yeah. the the most important, like I like I said, is to to learn from it and bounce back, and then just continue yeah. moving forward and and not make it again. And then for sure, um, law school also sounds like the Navy SEALs. Like they're just trying yeah. to make everybody quit, and because they only want the best of the best, right? Yeah. And so you, you're saying law schools are driven by post employment statistics. So can you yeah. kind of yeah go into that a little bit? Yeah. So I knew from the start, like what I wanted to work in, what space, Mm -hmm. like I knew sports was the space I wanted to apply myself to. Mm -hmm. Like I covered sports, um, as a journalist before law school. So Mm -hmm. I was like already kind of in that world. Um, and they tried so hard to get me to do something else. Like they wanted me to do corporate law. And like, I ended up, I did end up like, uh, working for a bank in like a legal capacity for a while there, like mm-hmm. through an opportunity I got through the school, which was interesting. Like I don't dislike corporate law. I think it's, there's a lot of similarities, but mm-hmm. like I knew who I was and I knew what I wanted to do. And yeah. um, like, I just remember that first career counseling meeting that I had with my like advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, I told her what I wanted to do. And she was like, you know, I don't, I don't think you're cut out for that. And it just sounds like babysitting and just kind wow. of patronizing. And I was like, I walked out of that. I was like, well, I'm going to have to figure this out on my own. Like they're not going to yeah. help me. And yeah. fortunately Denver is like a four sport town. Like mm-hmm. there's actually a lot of agents in that area. And so I was able to just literally go find an NFL agent on my own. And he hired me and worked wow. pretty much the entire time in law school uh, with them and yeah. like said, fuck it and cool. <laughs> figured it out on my own. Wow. Like, I mean, it, you have to do that yeah. Yeah. in For this sure. world, whether it's family members or whomever doubting yeah. you, like it, that happens. Right. Yeah. And you have to really make sure that it's what you want to do because sometimes mm-hmm. you're going it alone and yeah. that can really suck but it is possible. So then I became the kind of like, I don't know, not black sheep, but I was like the (laughs) anti-establishment law student of like, any of your resources, I'm going to use like, I'm I'm good on my own kind of thing. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It was interesting for sure. I definitely laugh at her comments now because I had no idea what she's talking about. And was there any reasoning behind it? Was she like a washed up, like she tried that and she didn't make it. And she's like, you know what? I'm never going to, I'm going to. Maybe. But but other than that, there was no real reason. She was just like, "Eh, maybe you're cut out for this other sort of law better. Yeah. I think, um, lawyer, a lot of lawyers, um, are very much impersonal mm. um, and they kind of have to be, which I understand, like it can be really draining to really connect with your clients, like on a deep, meaningful level and like yeah. be there for them in the way that an agent is there for them. So I think for her, like as someone who practiced as an attorney for so long, mm-hmm. having to connect with your clients in that capacity would be a nightmare, which it's yeah. like, if I did that with the clients who come to me when they want to sue somebody, that would be a nightmare because they're not like people that I have like day-to-day relationships with, right? They're coming to me in a moment of crisis, but then when that's over, it's like, they're going to go live their life. Like that's a completely different world than being an agent. It's like, I don't represent someone unless I am like, I have a genuine 
relationship or I know that that I can establish a genuine relationship with that person. And it's a person that like I want in my life because the way that I do it, it's like, it's very consistent. And like, I'm always there. Like I need to make sure I know what's going on with my clients, like mind, body, and soul. And Mm -hmm. so I think when you're an attorney hearing that, it's like, that's the last thing you want to do is know yeah. that deep. So I do understand why, like, she's like, it sounds like babysitting because like, if you're not interested in connecting with your clients in that way, like, sure, it could be for sure. But, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it's just so much like focused on the relationship. And that's why I wanted to be an agent. I love that. I really enjoy the relationship aspect. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that that was probably the biggest reason, but you know, who knows? Like (laughs) it's so hard to know why people say what they do. Yeah. I just kind of like, uh, made sure that people knew what I was doing. (laughs) but like went sh- like went to all the legal sports competitions all over the country like did all those and i got there's public- there's legal sports competitions oh yeah there's a nfl negotiation competition nba and nhl that sounds very interesting can you kind of oh, tell me a little bit more about that yeah it's wild they're all simulations of yeah. so the nfl negotiations it's in new orleans at tulane law school mm-hmm. Um, So is the NBA one. And so the NFL one, you negotiate contracts, like literally through like a tournament, like bracket structure with other law students across the country. Is everyone given like a, an athlete or how to, okay. And so then it's like, you're either team side or agent side. And so Mm -hmm. it's, it was really fun. Like I really enjoyed that. The NBA one, you negotiate a sponsorship contract, which is And then MLB and NHL both do arbitration, which is a little different process. And so um, I disliked those more because like negotiation is so much more like based on communication and like it's not as formal and like all or nothing. Like you can really, you both can win in a negotiation, but Mm -hmm. I loved them. Like it was the best mix of legal skills and like sports context and you I mean the school literally pays for you to go travel to these places like I got to go to Toronto to do an NHL arbitration like it was awesome and so stuff like that and you just meet so many people like they Mm -hmm. the judges are usually agents or like team side like cap managers or assistant cap managers like stuff like that like it's just a great opportunity um so I did all of that like I was like the like sports (laughs) competition girl like That's everything awesome. I was all in and then I ended up um we have like a like law school journals or like a big um like I don't even know how like a big prestigious thing like okay. if you're and what is what is that exactly is that like a newsletter yeah it's like a publication basically okay. like every year and so mm-hmm it's basically law students and law professors like writing some sort of commentary on either a case or laws. And so I, my final year did a huge one. Like it took me like seven months to finish on agents and the CBA Mm -hmm. and our journal picked it up. So I was like, hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. Like getting published on something is always a cool experience. And um, I was able to like 
talk to agents across the league to mm-hmm. do it. Like I really, it's based on real conversations that I had, like, and that yeah. was kind of cool to share. Um, Cause that's not always a curtain that gets lifted necessarily. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just was like, I'm going to take advantage of the things that are fun and enjoyable to me and not worry mm-hmm. about like what everyone else is doing. Yeah. I just know that that's not my path, you know? Yeah. That's smart. You, yeah. You took it and ran with it and, and yeah, just w- wasn't worried about anybody else. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I love that. That's awesome. And, and yeah, congratulations to all your success. Oh, okay. I um, had fun for sure in that aspect. <laughs> for sure. If we can go back a little bit, one of the questions I talk about is kind of the, the mental health effects that like we talked about imposter syndrome and, and yeah. self-doubt and all of that. I would assume that maybe it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows along the way. Definitely not. No, absolutely not. No, I think, um, you know, everyone experiences all of those emotions, whether Mm. they want to admit it or not. And so I think for me, it's like one, the biggest thing, if you're ever in like a legal role or an agent role, like you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable because there's always going to be stuff at stake. And if Mm -hmm. you mess up, like that's, that's life, like it's going to happen. And so like, getting comfortable with discomfort is huge. And then too, like, and sort of tied into that, I think just like allowing yourself to feel all of those things, like it's okay to be anxious. Like in a lot of ways, anxiety was like a survival tactic for humans thousands of years ago. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's something that we can't necessarily just get rid of. Right. And so for me, it's less about like, never feeling doubt, never feeling anxiety, never feeling sad, like all that stuff happens, like, sometimes all in one day. And it's more so just like, recognizing it and not feeling worse, that I'm feeling those ways, because I Mm -hmm. think that's where people really get into trouble is then the guilt or the feeling that um, something's inherently wrong with you for feeling those things like again those are all really inherent human experiences and we get so hard on ourselves when we feel them and like our society as much as like it's great that there's so much awareness around mental health right now it's like Mm -hmm. to me there's a weird dialogue of like you got to get rid of all those problems like mindfulness and meditation will get rid of every Mm -hmm. single thing that you've ever had and like that's just not true. And like even the happiest of people still experience all those things, like sometimes mm-hmm. often. And so it's, for me, it's more just like taking the time to like recognize and acknowledge like, Hey, I'm feeling really stressed out right now. Yeah. And then like not feeling bad about it, like not right. getting myself about it. And I think that is um, just a healthier way of processing all those things because otherwise you get into the like, compartmentalizing Mm -hmm. and like trying to stifle all those things. And that, I mean, they're always going to come out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You can only see the one of the rug for so long. Right. Whether it's that day or a month later, like Mm -hmm. if you keep suppressing feelings, like they're only going to come out stronger. And so Mm -hmm. I just think it's like, you got to allow yourself to feel it. Like, of course, there's not going to be an appropriate time to like, cry all the time right yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) but as long as you're taking the time to like really check in with yourself and just like allowing yourself to feel whatever it is you're feeling like I just think it makes all of that like discomfort more tolerable and like it's it's more sustainable to 
just like be good with whatever emotions you're feeling. Some of the best advice that my therapist is like, you got to go through it. Like there, I'm sorry. Like there's no magic (laughs) trick. There's no secret formula. Like you just have to go through it. You have to allow yourself to feel everything that you are feeling and or like runs its course then you're able to see okay what do i do now where do i go from here because yeah like you said if if you if you try to ignore it and you're like you know what? i'm not going to be i don't want to be anxious right now I, there's no time to or or whatever excuse you want to give it yeah then you run into the 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 danger of like things can start com- compounding on that and it's like okay well now i put this the anxiety there okay now i'm scared and i'm just going to put that in there and then you have this like backpack full of all these things and it's just going to like weigh you down, down until you're like, yeah. Oh, I have to unpack this now. And then, Oh, I have everything to unpack. Yeah. And, and, and it, that's, that's overwhelming. And that just, I think it's also very easy to, for the snowball effect to, to come into play where you're like, Oh, and it just, it just keeps growing and growing. And yeah, and it's, it's a tough cycle to, to get out of. Yeah. It's also just really inefficient. Like I'm big on <laughs> yeah. efficiency because I only right. have so much energy and time and mm-hmm when you do like stifle feelings, when they manifest, like you, like you don't know what caused it. Right. Like if you've like just prolonged the time when you're going to deal with it, like it's always the smallest thing that makes you like flip out. Right. Like it's always like that one thing that you're just like, I'm done. Like, (laughs) um, and so, but when that happens, then you can't necessarily identify why you feel that way. Whereas mm-hmm. if you just recognize in that moment, and it doesn't mean like, again, doesn't mean you have to fall apart, but just like awareness of it allows you to identify like whatever trigger or whatever environment or person made you feel that way. And it's more efficient because you can either, you know, solve it or eliminate whatever the source of it was. Like, it's just, you get to be a lot more protective of your energy. And again, it's just more sustainable because you are like really protecting your peace and learning a lot more about yourself. And Mm -hmm. like, that's another thing is Like you're never, you never fully know yourself. Like you're always going to figure out more about like what bothers you and why, Mm -hmm. but it's so important to like do that work because if you don't, like I just, life is so much harder and taking the time to like do all of that to me, this is like way more efficient. Thousand percent in agreement with you because yeah. And again, back to the learning part, like these are all opportunities to learn and and that's easier said than done by a lot because yeah, when you're going through it, your emotional regulation, you can be, it's easy to just react emotionally and and you, then you end up regretting some things. You're like, oh, why did I act that way? That was so dumb. Or, right. but if you're able to kind of, yeah, step back a little bit and be like, okay, what am I feeling? What triggered me? Okay. Now I identify that. How do I, how am I feeling right now? Like, what do I want the result to be from here? And then once you are able to kind of step back and look at those things, then you're like, okay. let's learn let's figure this out let's learn how to move on from this and you're like okay now i know if it's a person place or thing okay i need to either avoid those things or learn how to approach those things in a different way Mm -hmm. with boundaries or with with a with the setup of like okay i can control that interaction not let it affect me and i'm like oh now i'm off guard or surprised and and then you know that the yeah, yeah it's all it's all about learning and and taking the opportunities to to yeah learn about yourself yeah. And so much of being an agent too, like, of course, every, every agent is different because every person's different, but so much for me is like, like, I really try and protect my client's piece. Like I gatekeep in that way and I do it 
unabashedly. And it's because again, it's not always easy to do it yourself or identify what those things are. And so it's so important that I do that for myself because I can't help anyone unless I'm making sure like I'm good first. Right. Like otherwise my perception is going to be off of other situations. And so Mm Um, like really getting right with yourself. Like you really just like any role like this where you're supportive and it's not just professionally, but in relationships too, like you have to make sure you're good first. Like people yeah. can't lean on you if you're not stable. Like, exactly. yeah. <laughs> okay. and so, yeah, just taking the time to like really do the work personally. I think a lot of high achievers sort of, you know, cast it away because they don't necessarily see the value in it. But it's like, it's, that's your foundation. Like you're not going to be able to sustain achievement for a long time unless your foundation's really solid. Again, a thousand percent agree. The blind leading the blind is like the phrase that came into mind. Cause I'm like, yeah. And I think I've fell victim to, or or people can fall victim to this of like, I'm really good at giving advice. Like that's like, I'm, I'm the best advice giver. But if they're like, oh, did you like, have you followed you? I'm like, no, I have not. But right. si- similar to like, I have to do the work myself because yeah, I can, it's easier said than done. So I can easily look at someone's situation if they come to me and they're like, what do I do? And you're like, oh, easy. Let me tell yeah. you. And you, and you can lay out the, all the plans and they're like, oh, you must've gone through this before. And you're like, uh, yeah, not exactly. And and yeah. then it, it's, it's tough. So you have to be able to look at yourself in those instances or yeah. make sure that you have yourself together first. Yeah. Because yeah, uh, over the years, I found myself like I'm getting burnt out, but I'm still trying to like help people. And then I end up in a, a very tricky and, and tough situation because I'm like, I, I'm not even happy with myself. And then, and then the the support that I want to give turns into maybe resentment. I'm like, why doesn't anybody ask how I'm? And then like, but that's not, yeah. that's not the case. That's not the reality. Right. But right. W- when you kind of lose yourself in those moments, you're just like grasping at anything. And so yeah. it can be tough. Yeah, no, I think. um when you don't, when you aren't taught to value your own time and energy, mm-hmm. um, you give it away really easily. Mm-hmm. And then that's a hard lesson, right? Because when you yeah. are just a good friend, even, and you don't value your own time and energy, like you end up resenting being a good friend or person, right? Yeah. Because you're right. exhausted. And so I just think like acknowledging that you can be a good agent, friend, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like, really value your own energy. Like those two things are not mutually exclusive. Like they're very much one in the same because when you like really value your own time and energy that you see other people's time and energy as the same too. Like I think so much of how we treat other people is a reflection of how we treat ourselves. And Mm -hmm. like, again, like there's that stigma of, I think our generation is really starting to break it down of like, self-care and self-awareness is as being selfish but i think the truth is like you really cannot give what you don't have and so yeah, it really exactly. has to within. yeah and i think there's even like a sweet spot in between like being selfish and being selfless where yeah. like now i felt like this is this podcast is kind of a good example because like i feel like i'm in a good place so then me helping others gives me energy and it's like oh wow like this is reciprocal and then like again that's a sweet spot which is hard to attain and also hard to sustain because it's not it's not always going to be that way but I found myself in those in that sweet spot more often than I ever have been before and it's it's a great feeling because you're like oh this is how life should be and it's again like it it takes constant effort because you have to keep your mind sharp and 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 being able to distinguish these things but Mm -hmm. but 
it's a process. And I, I think just like really taking the time to like, you don't have to know what your life's purpose is. It mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. like it, like at any age, honestly, like yeah. you don't need to know that, but you need to know what you want to do and what brings mm-hmm. you joy and like mm-hmm. the direction that you want to go in at least. And it, right. if you don't take the time to do that, like that's when you get into people looking back at their lives and having huge regret. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's mm-hmm. like, I always have these talks with my clients sometimes. I'm like, okay what like where are we going here like what yeah. is your direction what do you want because it's it's not so much about what others are doing or say you should do like i really could like don't care you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day like we could get you the most successful position at whatever network if that's not what you want to do then yeah. it has no value to you and it has yeah. no value to me like yeah. it's just i don't know i think really taking that time again like this podcast for you is like a source of joy and like if you didn't take the time to figure out what that was like you wouldn't have that and so i just think like taking that time and giving yourself the freedom to discover what that is without any judgment because so often we put ourselves into a box and then we don't allow ourselves to access like different parts of ourselves like Mm -hmm. you just gotta like like whatever it is, yeah. Thing, like community service, like whatever yeah. it is, <laughs> yeah. or, like yeah. to their own. But you have to be able to give yourself the grace to like let whatever it is just be without yeah. any judgment. Yeah, and I mean it's scary. I think also back to our generation growing up, they're like, you have to be this, yeah. and this is how you be successful. And so we go along in those in those boxes, and it's like I don't. This isn't really what I want to be doing. Or this is like maybe job wise, like you're like, oh yeah, I have a good job, salary, all those things, but it's, you don't feel fulfilled, and yeah, and it's scary because you're like, well, then do I quit my job? Or do I? The way that we were brought up is no, like don't be dumb. Just yeah, like it, it doesn't matter if you're not happy. Just just pay your bills. Just go like continue down the assembly line, and and so it's always scary. But yeah, I mean, if you're you have to be able to like take risk and, and trial and error and eventually. Yeah. And again, like this podcast right now is, is fun and it's, it gives me joy, but who knows? Yeah. Like I, right. there might be something else that comes into my life or whatever. And yep. I have to take that on, but yep. and um, that's fine, you know, yeah, yeah. there's <laughs> no, nothing wrong with that. It's yeah, for sure. so I know we've jumped all over the place. Uh, so let me try to get it back on track with yeah. one of the other questions. It sounds like you've had both a negative and positive experience with the phrase, mm-hmm. um, but can you kind of go into maybe how that makes you feel or maybe an example of both or or just answer it, I guess, however you, you want to answer it? Yeah, no, I think um, like once you recognize it, it's a lot easier to realize that you're going to feel both a yeah. lot and it just really depends on the day and like Sometimes you're going to feel awesome about where you are. And sometimes you're going to feel like total shit, like you made a mistake. And like, again, both of those are fine. It's just like not letting either of those feelings like dictate your identity. Like you don't need a God complex to be happy, but you also don't need to like, you know, sacrifice yourself to be successful. Like Mm -hmm. it's all just about, balance and letting letting things go once you experience them and not holding on to it and and not latching on to like your emotions aren't who you are you know Mm -hmm. what I mean I think we oftentimes 
like tie that to our identity way too closely. Like, oh, I'm a sensitive person. Like we're all sensitive people. <laughs> like that's yeah. like being a human is sensitive. It's just mm-hmm. like how much you allow yourself to really feel what you feel. And I, it's just weird to me, like how much like stock and credence we give to certain people, like having stronger and like, oh, that that person has a strong personality. It's like, mm-hmm. really, we should all just have like, true personalities yeah. personalities whatever that is but like that's that's gonna have range if you're really being authentic with yourself like mm-hmm. it nobody is is like a sad person right yeah. like if you yeah. are then you're you're ignoring a lot of other um parts of yourself so i think it's just like and a lot of that does for me like i do meditate a lot and a lot of that does come from just like having that awareness of like recognizing a thought or recognizing an emotion and not and like taking it away from my identity like realizing yeah. that that's not who i am it's just the thought or a feeling that i'm having in that moment and like it mm-hmm. doesn't um lend itself to who i am at all and so just kind of depersonalizing it like and just yeah. being able to let it go to me is like the best way to go about it so important to you because yeah, I think what you said about emotions, we are not our emotions. Yeah. Is is huge. And I think what we've kind of talked about it a little bit already. And and yeah, it's really easy to get caught up in like, oh, I'm, you know, I cry or I'm sensitive and I'm sad. And it's like everybody does that. And yeah. and it and I think it's very easy to forget that that person that has a strong personality is not always like that. Like you're not with that person 24-7. Right. You don't know how they are in other and other aspects of their life and and yeah like at work you can somebody can have a big personality like man that dude must have it all figured out and but he goes home and and maybe he's depressed and but you don't know and yeah i don't know there's there's yeah. th- there's just so much that goes on that people don't see inside of people that yeah. you have you have to just you can't you can't get caught up in that because you don't know you don't know what's going on and yeah i mean you got to be authentic like for yeah. so long i was the the girl who like always had it together and was always fine and like always good. Like no one ever had to worry about me, but Mm -hmm. that also meant that like any negative experience or emotion I had, I was dealing with alone because I Mm. didn't want anyone to think any differently of me. Again, it was like my identity was tied to not having and not experiencing those negative emotions. And so that's really isolating. And it, again, just like it's an avalanche, right? You just feel it more. And you feel wrong for having them. And so for me, just like being a lot more authentic to what I'm feeling, it's not only like better for me, but it's better for those relationships Mm -hmm. and like more sustainable for people to know that I'm an imperfect person. And it has no reflection of like my professional capabilities Mm -hmm. whatsoever, because like everyone feels this way, whether they admit it or not. (laughs) Neurosurgeons feel this way. astronauts feel this way like everyone is still yeah. at the end of the day big time and yeah i think the communication part too is is really important because yeah it's easy for as a male like don't show emotion like be strong be yeah. tough like all those things but i i'm like i'm very, i'm probably like the most sensitive dude i know yeah. and <laughs> and it's just like i i cry at weddings and like I'm, i'll cut this out and in, in when i edit but like no. like, like <laughs> Cooking shows like like Master Chef. I don't know if you watch oh, it. Oh yeah, I love but, it. But but when they like at the beginning of the show when they're competing to even get on the show, like when they give yeah. them the robe, like 
when they have that joy, like I'm tearing up or like, know, so you think yep. so all those shows, when I see people yeah. like just, just having such a, an amazing experience and, and I'm, I'm like, Oh, that makes me emotional. Yeah. So anyways, I'll cut this all out. Don't worry. No, no. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> um, but no, the communication part is, is yeah. big because again, like no one, just the way that I don't know what anybody else is going through. They don't know what I'm going through and whether yeah. it's work relationships or anything else, if you're open and I know that's, being vulnerable. And I think this podcast is in, in some ways in that vein, but being vulnerable and be like, Hey, I feel this way and it's not good. Like that's scary because again, you don't know how the other person is going to react. And they're like, Oh, Whoa, like, I don't, I'm, we're not that close or I don't care. And, and you can, right. you feel rejection and all these things that, yeah. you know, your brain is scared of feeling, but you know, more often times than not that I found that actually helped. They're like, oh, I didn't know you felt that way. And there's, right. you create space for empathy and compassion and grace. And it's like, oh, we could, why didn't we do this? You know, know. at the beginning of this. And so yeah. It, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's tough to do, but it, it makes a big difference. Yeah. I, I mean, I had a point where, especially just like in the capacity that I serve, like I just, by virtue of, mm like my title, like I have a lot of women who come to me when they're going through shit. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love that they feel like they can come to me. Like, I don't ever want that to change, but yeah. I had a moment where like that was all coming to me, but I didn't really feel like I had a lot of people that I could turn on and go mm-hmm. do that way. So I had to really like figure out like, who are my people? Like, who can I really be honest and authentic with? Because, um, it's like, I don't want to say I feel I felt like a fraud, but I just yeah. was like, okay, why don't I have that relationship <laughs> yeah. where I can go to somebody? Like, yeah. what am I um, missing here? What am I not doing right to make sure that I've got my people too? Because mm-hmm. um, you've got to be able to have that. Like, yeah. uh, no, like no man is an island. You know, yeah. Yeah. you can't go it alone. And so I yeah. think, like, having that moment and realization, it was like everyone needs a person like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, uh, there's another show that I watch, couples therapy, I think. And, <laughs> and in that show, like the therapist has a therapist and I'm like, yeah. bl- my mind is blown. And I'm like, that makes yeah. sense though. Like I've never thought about it, but it makes oh, complete yeah. sense. And it's so, like, yeah. Oh my gosh, like everybody like, and that, that's kind of what you're saying. Like the person who everyone goes to, like no one ever thinks like, wait, but who does that person go to? Or, or, or maybe, Hey, should I ask how they're doing? Like right. it's, it's so yeah. you can get, you can get, you know, stuck in these roles and it's like, yeah. and and that's when you, what you were saying, I think is, is, oh wait, what am I need to actually fill my own cup or find a way to yeah have this relationship for myself. Right. And, and it's really, really important. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So winding down the interview, uh, how, how do you feel currently in your life? Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling really good. Um, okay. you know, I think I, uh, am at that point where like, financially I'm comfortable, which is huge. Like, uh, that's a huge privilege in this industry because most jobs pay very poorly. And so like, for me, I have the luxury of also being an attorney, which so Mm. basically being an agent is like my night job. (laughs) Okay. Um, I just am in a really good spot where I feel like, um, every day I have the opportunity to learn something new and help other people um and and be comfortable doing that and so um like that is a huge privilege and I totally recognize that but um it certainly didn't come without hard work and Mm -hmm. I think I also just had to get to a point where 
I did value myself and value my time because like, if I can give any advice, like this industry will exploit you as much as possible and tell you how lucky you are to like have whatever position you have and use that as a way to pay you nothing. Mm -hmm. And there's also this weird sense of loyalty. Like, you have to be loyal to whomever, whether they were the first people to give you a shot or whatever. But the truth is like, they're not going to be loyal to you. Like mm-hmm. business is business at the end of the day. And so yeah. you have to really, like I had to get into a place where I really valued my time in order for like the financial aspects of things to really come into my life. Like that mm-hmm. did not happen until I valued my time. And mm-hmm. so like getting to that point, I think is really important. Everyone arrives at that point at a different time in their career, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, just valuing your time and energy, like it's so important. <laughs> I just cannot yeah. say enough. Like we are so beaten down and ingrained to think that like we are guppies in a, in a notion, but the truth yeah. is like, um, our work is important, like, mm-hmm. it, and it's valuable. And if yeah. you're not, if you're not in a position where you're feeling valued, like go somewhere else because like, yeah. you really don't owe anyone anything. And it doesn't necessarily mean like burn bridges everywhere you go, but like mm-hmm. you got to make sure you're good. Like this is your profession at the end yeah. of the day. Like you're not doing community service. Like, yeah. job. And so yeah. like, I think me learning that lesson has helped me a lot as an advocate who literally gets people paid. Like, Mm-hmm. I needed to experience that in order to like truly advocate for them and, and help them feel okay about it because right. like, and especially women are like so ingrained to never ask for more money. And so mm. we get paid less cause we don't. And so like, it's just like changing that mindset and reminding people like, we're just not told that our time is valuable very often. Like, yeah. I think, I, I think the opposite actually, I think we're told, yeah that we're lucky to be there. Like yeah. we're, we should, we owe the company or we owe right. people money because they're letting us work for them. And it and feels like that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. for sure. It does. Yeah. So, um, but nothing will change so long as people keep feeling that system. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. I, it drives me crazy because like everyone says, well, this industry is so competitive, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Then like, then why are these like, multi-billion dollar families who own teams paying $25,000 for a team reporter position. That's to me, isn't adding up. Like you see where your values lie. Right. And you've got to take care of your people. So like, I don't know. I just think um, everyone again has to arrive at that in their own way. Like you Mm -hmm. can't, I can't teach someone that, you know, I can only help guide them through that process, but Mm -hmm. Once you get to that point, I, I truly believe that you're able to do your best work. So mm-hmm. it's just about figuring out how to get there. And it can be scary sometimes. <laughs> Very scary. Yeah. And we can, we, I mean, we could probably add another hour to this interview if we really want to get into it because yeah, yeah the, the experiences that I have and my, my people have had here in Portland is yeah. crazy, but we will, we'll save that for another time. Right. <laughs> um, okay. So the last question uh, part of the podcast is that I ask, um, yeah. um, I've, I've asked for a, a photo of you as a kid and yeah. 
can you talk to me about why you chose the photo you did and, and kind of the significance about it? And then the second half is, is if you could go back and have a conversation with yourself, then what would it look like? Yeah, that photo. So uh, my grandma, my last living grandparent, she passed away a few years ago. And so we were going through her stuff and I found that picture. Uh-huh. And I was like, so my grandparents lived in Mexico for 30 plus years. And so okay. like I was there a lot. And so mm-hmm. that's where that is. And um, like, it's just, it's like such a joyful place for me. Like I spent so much of my childhood there that yeah. um, just seeing that picture, like I hadn't honestly forgotten about that version of myself, like mm-hmm. just to be a kid on a beach. Like, yeah. How old are you? I think like four or five. Okay. Okay. So, little and just like um you know the world is so big when you're little but mm-hmm. you don't necessarily t- necessarily take in all the negatives with that you know what yeah. i mean like everything is so important and such a big deal but it's yeah. like all in like the most positive way so to just yeah. literally be a kid at the beach is like the best thing in the world and so yeah. i think like for me i chose that picture because i definitely now just try and really embrace that attitude of just like every day is the opportunity to just like really enjoy where you're at. Like every day, every day can be your beach. If you really want it to be like, yeah, not always going to be perfect, but I just think having that like childlike mindset about life, honestly, like kids are amazing teachers in that way. And that they like, they can turn anything into a positive and they can just really be content with the most simple of things. Like to me, the level of contentment in that photo is like something that I try and embody. And then as far as advice, like I know I referenced it earlier, but just like really taking care of myself because again, like I just like, I was a girl and a woman in a pretty like conservative role area. And so mm-hmm. like, I was not told that I was valuable or that my time was valuable like yeah. ever. And like, of course my parents were super supportive and loving, but like, your home is only one aspect of your environment, but there's like a cultural attitude about women still in areas like that, where it's like, to me for a long time, like marriage was like the only way that I would have any sort of value. Like that was a real thing that for me. And so I just think like really valuing my time and energy. Like I wish I could teach my little kids all that. Cause I think I probably would be an astronaut if I did. But you know, it's just like, it's not unique to me. Like I think mm-hmm. so many people feel that way. And so just like, you know, your time and energy is important and it's not selfish to feel that way. So yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, Emily. I, I I mean it every time I say it, but this is this is beyond my my wildest dreams to be able to have conversations like this. So thanks one. so much for taking the time. Yeah, of course. No, I appreciate you having these because I think that it's a really important one. So yeah, keep <laughs> for sure. Uh, any any last words? Any closing remarks? Any shout outs you want to give? Um. You know, if anyone is interested in this path, they can definitely reach out to me. Like I, I am here by virtue of other people giving me a chance and helping me. So I obviously want to continue to pay that forward. Awesome. No, that's amazing. And yeah, I'll, I'll send, I'll, I'll give some info and then yeah, yeah. if anybody um, reach out to me, I'll, I'll forward that along. So that's awesome. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, of course. Thank you so cool. much. Cool. 
yeah well have a good night and enjoy yeah. enjoy the rest of your day and, and yeah, yeah well uh i'm sure we'll chat soon awesome thanks take care All right.